You're listening to a resource from the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. It is our joy to glorify God by treasuring Jesus in the preaching of His Word. We pray this resource will be a tool used to aid in your relationship with Christ in addition to your local church. Blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood. Amen. Good morning, everybody. You can be seated. Can we thank these guys for continuing to write songs out of Scripture? Um, Thankful for how they set our affections and our minds and our hearts upon the Word of God. If you have a Bible, you can open up to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 18 is where we will be reading from and understanding from uh, today. Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 18. I'm excited to be here with you this morning, excited to have um, some of our friends from Buenos Aires with us, and how exciting is that? You know, as a church, we seek to advance the gospel in places that um, have less access to the gospel than we do, and uh, that is certainly a place. And so um, as time goes forth, you will continue to understand more about BA as we present it to you. Um, But Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 18, we've been walking through the book of Luke. And normally what we do here, if you're new, is we just simply expose what's already there. We believe that God's word has power. It's what changes us. It's what God wants us to understand about himself and his story and his mission. And therefore, we resolve to be unoriginal in some ways, right? We resolve to, to be unoriginal in our approach. And yet at the same time, we see something even far greater as we just expose what God God has written in his word. So our goal today is to understand and allow the word of God to change us as we understand. And so as we read this section today in just a few minutes, what we'll understand first is that it's connected to what we talked about um, the past couple of weeks. So I'm going to touch on those in in just a, a brief moment. But before we do, you know, there's a lot of things that are important. If you're busy, if you're someone who's got a lot of things going on in your life, which all of us are, if I asked for hands raised, everybody would raise their hand, right? There are a lot of things that are important to you. There are a lot of things that are important in life. There are a lot of things that are just important to your well-being, to your future. Many things are important, but really, in God's eyes and from God's word, there's only one thing that is most important important. There's only one thing that's most important. As you think about all your concerns and your priorities in your life, there's only one thing that is of the greatest importance in your life. And that's how you respond to the gospel message. That's it. The most important aspect of your life will be how you respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that today. You see, the gospel doesn't allow us to remain neutral. When we hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, we are not allowed to remain neutral. It's polarizing. It will move us to one side or another side. That's it. And so the gospel will honestly, truly, really provide the the reality or reveal the true condition of our heart. In regards to our salvation and our knowing of God and our knowing of Jesus Christ and our receiving of his payment on the cross, when the gospel goes forth, we, our, our hearts will be exposed. It's polarizing. You can only, there's only one of two responses, right? And so it's polarizing. And what the gospel does is it reveals the true spiritual condition of our heart, Okay. And so when we see or hear or understand the gospel, which you are here today, so God is intending to expose it to you, which means there will be an accountability because you've heard it. And there will only be one of two options. And what the gospel does is it reveals or it exposes the true condition of our spiritual state. Okay, we're going to talk about that today. It's the revealer. It's the great exposer. And it also provides us salvation. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how the gospel message does this and then come to the conclusion that there could be no more important thing than we can do 
then respond rightly to the gospel. So listen, if the gospel message is polarizing, if it does one of two things in our response, if it reveals and exposes our true condition, then there is nothing more important than how we respond to this gospel message. Okay, we're going to see this, but we're also, before we get there, going to tie to our previous passage because this whole section, as we're going to read verses 16 through 18, just a few verses, is going to be tied to the previous section of what we've read and understood and learned, which is the parable of the seed and the soil. So I'm going to spend a few, t- a few moments um, rehashing that, right? But this seed, this gospel message, this light, This truth, this message will reveal the true spiritual condition of the soil, which is our hearts. That's the main principle today. So there's nothing more important than how we respond to it. So for a few moments, let's let's rediscuss the soil, the parable of the soils that we discussed for the past few weeks, because it's going to give us a connection or an explanation in what we're talking about today. So listen, if you look at chapter eight, verses nine through 15, okay? Well, actually, really, verses four through 15. That's where we've been in the past couple of weeks. Now, let me tell you that the parable about the seed and the soil and the plant that arises, or lack thereof, deals with salvation, okay? So it's a story, it's a parable that gives a spiritual insight into salvation. Now, I say that because a lot of people this past week, and it's great, you guys are working this out as we, as we seek to uncover God's truth and his word, have come up to me and say, I kind of feel like the hard soil. God's word is just not really doing much in my heart right now. Now, that can be an okay application, but I do want you to understand that in its original place and context, the authorial intent of this is that this parable dealing with the seeds and the soils deals with salvation, the permanency or lack thereof of someone being saved, forgiven of their sin in a relationship with God for all of eternity, right? So we had four soils or four seeds um, that went into four different soils. And what we saw was those who are truly saved and the conditions of the heart that contribute to that, and those who are not truly saved and the conditions of the heart that contribute to that, okay? What we understood also was, listen, ready? There's no focus on the sower, how good he sows the seed. There's no focus on the seed and how pure it is. The seed is the gospel message. The soil is the heart. The sower is all of us and Jesus himself, right? But listen, This is for us to understand. It really doesn't matter how great we are at sowing the seed. doesn't matter. We don't have to question the purity of the gospel. What is the issue with salvation is the condition of our hearts and how we receive it. So we've talked about these four soils. The first one, we won't spend as much time on, but I just want to recap all four of them. Was this hard soil? Okay, you guys remember the hard soil, right? This is the soil as we saw in this passage. You can look in chapter 8, verse 4. Right, And then on in verse 5, okay, if you have your Bible, kind of stay with me because we're going to be walking through the text. We see this sower who goes out to sow a seed, verse 5, and some falls along the path or the hard soil, the walking path. What we discussed is that this is a picture of a seed that literally does not penetrate the ground whatsoever. The gospel message goes out And it literally does nothing inside the heart. And you guys are familiar with this, right? As you as believers in Christ have shared the gospel with the people that you love around you in your life, it's meant so much to you. It's saved your soul. It's changed your whole lives. You're not perfect by any means, but the gospel has saved you and is changing you. And you go to share it with those who you love, and yet there is literally no penetration into their heart whatsoever. It just kind of washes over. It's like they just heard an infomercial or something like that, right? And you beg God because the soil of their heart is not ready to receive this gospel, right? There's no penetration whatsoever and therefore there's no salvation. There's no roots, there's no plant, there's no fruit, there's no longevity, right? You guys have seen this. Well, as we moved on to the second soil, This is this rocky soil, and you can see this in verse 6, right, of chapter 8. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. This rocky soil. 
Now listen, as we talked about it, this is a soil that there's rock underneath the surface. There's a level of surface soil that looks like when the seed is planted, the gospel message comes into the heart, that it immediately takes root with joy. It starts to grow and, and things start to happen. But what is not seen is that underneath there's this rock bed, right? And which does not allow this plant to take root, ultimately produce fruit and survive. And so as the sun comes out and as the nutrients are taken up, this plant dies. Now, what that is showing us is that there will be some people who hear the gospel and who respond immediately with joy. This is awesome, Jesus, right? And yet, over the course of time, it will be revealed that no salvation has truly taken place, right? They did not develop any root system of their own and they will be scorched out, usually by the trials of this world. And so what we understand this in the soil, I, I wanna just briefly explain this to you because it's relevant to what we're doing today, is that logically I want you to think about how this works, okay? The heart is the soil. The soil of our heart, right? That's what it's discussing. Now what we understand from the scriptures is that the, the, the heart is deceitful above all things. We believe in something we call total depravity. Okay, which on our own, left to ourselves, without God's intervention, no one would seek for God. Okay, so Romans 3.10 makes that clear. No one understands, no one seeks for God, right? So he does this work through his spirit in convicting us of sin and revealing the truth and drawing us in and we believe and are saved, right? So listen, as we see this soil of of real, of, of sin, right? Our, our hearts are wicked above all things. The, the Bible tells us we see the soil of sin and underneath there's this rock that no one knows is there, right? What would, we, what would we understand about how to address this? Well, just as you're sharing the gospel, let me help you with this, right? It's an awareness of sin. It's an awareness of the truth, of the depth, of the sin of someone's heart, that when they're exposed to that, say, man, there's sin in there. It needs to be broken up so that the gospel can take root and it can grow and produce fruit. And so listen, here's what happens with the rocky soil. The rocky soil happens when the second half of the gospel is explained. That's where, that's where, where we understand this logically, just objectively. When the second half of the gospel is exp explained, which Jesus, he died for sins. He's awesome. Grace. Let's give a round of applause for Jesus. Right? Which is true, but it's only half the gospel. Because listen, as we see Jesus and his greatness and his grace, we have the ability to be picky and choosy about whether or not we want to truly receive this gospel. Stay with me. Okay? But if you see the, the first half of the gospel and the depth of your sins and the rock that's under there and the need for that rock to be removed, that sin to be removed, forgiven, you don't have any time to be picky or choosy about the Savior. You, you need forgiveness for your sins. So you will either receive Christ or you, you won't. There's only one of two options. Either Jesus pays for your sins or you do. There's only two. There's only two options. So as you see the depth of your heart and understand the depth of your sin, which is this rocky soil underneath, and you know that it's there, you're exposed to the reality of your sin, then it starts to, you can break it down and say, I want my sin to be removed, right? And Jesus removes our sin. So listen, let me just encourage you. This is kind of the problem, this rocky soil with like great big Christian concerts and conferences, which are all great and do great things. But here's the danger is that we see the backside of the gospel and it's the front side that needs to be combined with the backside to help us stay in Christ with longevity. That we don't just choose Jesus because he's cool and he's going to make our life better and he's great and grace. Let's give it a round of applause for Jesus. We, we choose Jesus because we need our sins forgiven and he's our only option. Right? So we got to be careful to bring together the backside, the backside and the front side of the gospel. And this is what will break up the rocky soil and allow true roots to take place in the gospel message. So we look at this and my encouragement as you share the gospel with people, help them understand that they are sinful, that there's a punishment for their sin, but God loves us so much that Jesus came to pay for it on their behalf. That's why we trust in Jesus Christ. Thirdly, what we saw was this soil with the thorns. 
Now the soil with the thorns is along the same lines as the rocky soil, but a little bit different. If the rocky soil is the one who has unawareness of their sin, the, the soil with the thorns is the one who is unwilling to repent of sin, okay? Follow me, ready? If soil, the, first, the second soil is the rocky soil, unawareness of sin and therefore kind of being picky choosy about Jesus, unaware that we really just need Jesus because our sins need to be forgiven. We don't have a choice. The third soil with the one with the thorns would be the one who's unwilling to repent of that sin. Maybe willing to repent for a little while, but not true repentance, not ultimately willing to repent. So here's what happens. As we choose Jesus, great, grace, awesome, wonderful. He's amazing, right? But what we desire is something we call syncretism, which is to combine Jesus with the life that we really want, okay? Does this make sense? So there's this combination that takes place. I want the world and I want Jesus. So the, first, the second soil, I'm unaware of the sin that's there and my need for forgiveness. The third soil is the one in which we see, man, I understand that, but I'm unwilling to repent of my sin and turn away. And so what we see happening in the Old Testament even, remember when the Israelites were at the bottom of the mountain and Moses went up there to get the 10 commandments? And when he came down, what were they doing? What were they doing? Yeah, they were making a golden calf, right? It's like they were trying to combine the worship of Yahweh with what? With this worship of idolatry. And, and that's kind of what happens, right? For us, that's called syncretism. We're trying to put two things together. And what this soil, this parable of the soil with the thorn tells us is that that's what inevitably chokes out the faith and proves that salvation never existed because our intention was to combine the two in the beginning. There's an unwillingness to turn away from living for yourself and turn to fully living for Christ. Now, I will tell you the reason why in which this is choked out is because it is impossible to do both. At some point, listen, church, ready? At some point, you will have to choose. You will have to choose between your reputation and your humility versus Christ's reputation. You will have to choose between your resources and whether to build a life for self or to build a life of advancing the gospel. You will have to choose how you spend your time with your neighbors, whether it's to share your faith and make disciples or whether it's to get people to like you. I mean, listen, you will have to decide whether or not your life will be on mission, sharing your faith with the lost world around you or wrapped up in your job. You will have to decide. You will have to choose. And the two will not be compatible. At some point, you will have to choose one or the other. And so if your goal is to combine the world with Jesus, I will tell you, you're wasting your time. It's not gonna work. At some point, you're gonna have to choose. And so this is this third soil. The fourth soil, you guys know, it's the good soil. It's the one that's been plowed and turned over, maybe by tragedy, but God has done some work through his spirit and this soil is ready. The seed goes in, it takes root and it grows. And there's two aspects that are true of those who have true salvation. We've talked about them, ready? Fruit and perseverance. Say them with me, fruit and perseverance. True salvation, we can assess, takes place when there's true spiritual fruit and when one continues on in following Jesus for a lifetime, fruit and perseverance, okay? And so now, with that being said and understood, listen, this parable is connected to that previous parable. Or this word in these three verses that we're about to read are connected with, is connected with the previous parable, the parable of the soils that we just talked. They're congruent, okay? Different analogy, similar if not the same main point. Now, as we move into this, let me tell you once again, we understand, okay? There is one more important decision than any other decision. There is one most important thing in your life, how you respond to the gospel, receive the seed, see the light, hear the words. There's only one thing that is of most importance and the gospel will reveal the true spiritual condition of your heart. Okay? That's what we're talking about today, and it's going to be connected to what we just recapped. So let's pray and ask God to show us how the gospel exposes the condition of our heart and moves us into a place of taking it seriously as we hear it. Let's pray. Father, we know that this is so much to take in. 
There is a lot of high-level understanding and information here just from your word, and it's because you are inexhaustible. You, God, are, are, uh, are above us. Your truth is, is um, wonderful to us. And so we just seek to understand your word that we might grow by it. Help us to see this parable of the seed and the soil. Help us to understand how the gospel exposes the true condition of our heart, and help us to understand that therefore there could be no more important decision for us to make than to respond rightly to the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, ready? Luke chapter eight, verses 16 through 18. We only got a few verses, ready? 16 through 18. If you don't have a Bible, you can look on with someone next to you. Don't take it from them, but use it with them and uh, encourage you. There's some Bibles in the back or you can bring one next week with you. Ready? Luke chapter eight, verse 16. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has more, or who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Now, we don't do this all the time, but because there's only a few, let's read it one more time. I understand it's hard um, sometimes at first glance to understand what the text is saying. I got the liberty. I'm up here. I got the mic. We can do whatever we want. Let's do it. Ready? Verse 16. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. So church, as we dive into this, let me address a few things first. First of all, I understand that this passage may be difficult at first glance. What I mean by that is you've heard some of these phrases before, okay? Because Jesus, just like any good preacher, uses some of the same analogies, metaphors, pictures, parables over and over again in Scripture, right? And as he preaches. So you've seen some of these same phrases. Here, I would probably say that they are used differently than other places in scripture. So even if they're familiar, you might not at first glance understand what he's truly doing here. Secondly, as we seek to understand this, that's our only goal, right? Just as, a, as a, an additional help for you, our goal is exposition to, or exegesis. So to pull out the meaning or the intent of this because we believe the Bible is what has power and changes us, right? Thirdly, let me just tell you that there's a lot of help in the progression of this thought because there are connecting words like the word for, F-O-R, which gives us a lot of understanding into how this thought is being progressed through this passage, okay? So you can follow that, right? Now, let me tell you why this is important because, listen, as we follow the train of thought in this passage, it gives us the meaning. And the meaning, just to give you a heads up, in verse 18, the main point is that first portion of verse 18, which is, take care then how you hear, so the main point of this section is that. Take care then how you hear. Be careful how you hear the gospel. Why? Because it will reveal the true spiritual condition of your heart. There's no more important decision than how you hear, receive, listen to the gospel. That's the main point of this, right? Now listen, let me connect it to the previous passage. Because the seed, one thing that we didn't talk about last week was how the seed actually exposes the true condition of the soil. Think about this. The soil has a lot of different elements in it. Some hard, some rock underneath, some thorn, right? And some good. And what exposed to this, brought to the surface, brought to light, the true condition of that soil, the seed. The seed is what will expose the true condition of the heart. The gospel message will expose the true condition of your spiritual state. Therefore, there could be nothing more important than you hearing it, receiving it, 
responding rightly to it. Because if you don't, it exposes what's really there, which is no salvation. Simple as we can put it, but let's follow the train of thought. Three main points in this passage. Number one, the first thing that we see is that the gospel message will go forth or will go out, okay? Number one, the gospel message will go out. That's the first thing that we see here. Now, you ready? Let's talk about it. So we've seen this gospel described as seeds, okay? And it's going out. It's being scattered. It's broadcasted, right? It will go out by Jesus, who is the sower, and his disciples, who are also sowers. And by the way, that's you. You guys are sowers. You all are farmers, okay? Right? It's what we're doing. We're scattering seed for a lifetime. Now listen, as we move into this parable, Jesus is equating that same seed or sowing or gospel going out now with lamp, a lamp or light, okay? It's similar in the, sense, in the essence that this is the same picture that he's pointing to. So look at this, ready? Verse 11, look at verse 11, right? The parable we see is of a seed, right? Look at verse 10, right? Of the same chapter, verse, uh, verse 10 of chapter 8, Right? We talk, he also talks about the secrets or of the kingdom or the mysteries that are revealed. So also in verse 11, what we see is the seed is described as the word of God. So these are all parallel. Seed, secrets of the kingdom, mysteries, word of God, lamp, light. All gospel, word of God. Okay, This is what he is describing. Now you might um, reference this in your mind and understand and remember things like Matthew 5, 14 through 16. It's not exactly the same in what it's referring to, but it's similar. Jesus uses things that are similar. He says this, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on, a stand, on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So you see a similar picture here. But in, this par- in, this, in these words, in this parable of the light and the lamp, he's referring to more than just letting your actions show the, the truth of who God is, right? So here's what he's saying. He's saying the followers will scatter seed. They will scatter the light. They will show the light. They will put it up on a stand. They will attempt for others to see, right? This is for the disciples. Pay attention, ready? The the disciples were coming now to ask the meaning of this parable of the seed and the sower and the plant, right? And so what he's saying to the disciples is, listen, this will be how people will respond when you scatter the seed. Some, there will be no penetration. Some will shoot up immediately and die. Some will be choked out and some will last and produce food. You should expect this, disciples, when you're sharing your faith, sharing the gospel with other people. Expect it, okay? Don't be too easily discouraged. There's nothing wrong with you or the seed. This is how people will respond. Now, to these same disciples, what he's saying is, but this is how it goes. We don't light this lamp and put it under a basket. This is how people will respond, but we will continue to scatter the seed. We will continue to shine this light. It makes no sense not to. That's the point of what he's saying. He's speaking to the disciples here, and he's speaking to them and telling them, listen, this is what you should expect when you share the gospel, but we are going to continue getting it out. Why? Because it makes no sense not to. Who lights a lamp and then extinguishes it? right? So it's 1 Timothy chapter 9, verse 10. Listen, here's what I want to show you is that God started this gospel message to go forth. Just stay with this gospel message going forth, shining light, being exposed to save people. God started this whole thing. Look, he saved us and he called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been made what? manifest or seen or visible. It's come to light through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus. He abolished death and he brought life and immortality to what? 
light. How is life and immortality experienced? Well, he brought it to light through showing us Jesus Christ and the gospel message. He started this, but he calls us as disciples to spread it regardless of what the response will be, okay? So look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Therefore, having the ministry, having this ministry by the mercy of God, don't lose heart. We have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Even if our gospel is veiled, or even if it can't be seen, it is veiled only to those who are, who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from what? Seeing the... Light of the, of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servant for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give us or to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So listen, this is what we're called to do. Here's what he's saying. Disciples, there will be a, a plethora of responses. Yet, this gospel is going to go forth. We're not going to light this thing and put it out. People will respond differently, but we will advance the gospel message. People are going to receive this differently, but the gospel is to be spread, right? For the apostles, their command was this. Look at this, Acts chapter 13, verse 47. For the Lord commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you might bring salvation to the ends of the earth. That's your job, church. Listen. We're only in point one, just stay here. The gospel will go out. That's your job. Isaiah recalls Israel's role as a light to the nations. Look at this. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. That's what Israel was, a light for the nations to show them the true God. Look at Isaiah 49, 6. Is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel? I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may be reached to the ends of the earth. And Jesus said of himself, listen, what did Jesus say? John 8, chapter 12, or verse 12. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Or John 9, 5. Look at this, ready? As long as I am in the world, I am the what? Light of the world. Church, listen. What Jesus is saying here is that this gospel, this seed, this mystery, this word, this light will go forth. It should go forth. It will go forth, even though there will be a lot of different responses to it. Jesus' followers must let his light shine. How does he illuminate this? No pun intended. Verse 16, here's what he says. No one, so how many people do this? None. Okay, just establish that point, ready? After lighting a lamp, okay, so this is the lamp that would be used in a time like this, which is a terracotta lamp, okay? Got a handle on it, carry it around, sometimes a candle put inside or on top, right? You usually set it up someplace high so that it brings light to the whole house, okay? This is what would be used. He says nobody, after lighting a lamp like this, right, with a, um, covers it with a jar. Now, jar probably meaning a vessel, but in other places, he uses similar analogies with like a bushel or a basket. You see in Luke chapter 11, verse 33, no one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. So listen, this bushel is like a grain measure of about nine liters. No one's taking this bushel or taking a jar or a vessel and putting it over the lamp after you light it. Why? Because it's going to be extinguished. No oxygen. It will be extinguished, and nothing will come of the purpose for which you lit the lamp, right? He goes on, keep, keep following with me. He also says no one puts it under a what? A bed. a bed. Now you say, well, no, duh, because if you put it in under a bed, that thing's lighting on fire, right? <laughs> well, let me tell you, for all you... Uh, for all you great sleepers out there, there's no Tempur-Pedics in this time, okay? There are no mattresses. There are no mattress stores. So what they would sleep on is probably something like this, although these kind of more look like um, uh, 
cushions for your lawn chair to, to lay in the sun. They were more like um, just blankets or rugs or mats. And what happens when you throw a blanket over a fire? It puts it out because of lack of oxygen. Unless you crumple it up, put it on, then it's going to light on fire, right? But here's what he's saying. You don't put it under a jar, in a bushel, in a basket, under a bed to put it out. Instead, you put it on a stand, right? So that all who enter might see it. The purpose here is that you don't just light a lamp for it to be put out and for it to accomplish nothing. You light it so that people would see it, understand their way, see the house, understand the truth. Listen, let me tell you, here's what he's just, he's getting down to this point. Even though people will respond differently to the seed once it goes in, right? This light, this word, these mysteries, that many will not last, some will. Listen, there is still a job for him and his disciples to get this gospel out. This secret gospel is not secret anymore. It was until God made it manifest, visible. It come to light, right? And now this gospel is not secret. It's going to go out. Listen, let me just tell you, a secret gospel is of no more use to the world than a sentence to hell. It's of no more use. If you have a secret gospel, it is good news to nobody, right? And so this is what Jesus is calling his disciples to. It couldn't be said any more simple than this. Look at this, ready? Romans 10, 14 through 15. How then will they call on him in whom they have never believed? And how are they going to believe in him who they never heard? And how are they going to hear without someone, what? Preaching. Listen, this is not rocket science. This is why we take the gospel to places that are far less reached than some of the typical mission trip places. Why? Because there are places in the world that People don't have a friend who has a friend that has a friend that has a friend that has a friend that knows the gospel message. And how are they going to hear unless someone goes and tells them, right? This is the whole purpose of this. The whole purpose is that we as Christians are supposed to advance this gospel message, light the lamp, let it shine bright so people can see, understand the gospel message and be saved. This is what we're called to do. Listen, and I will tell you what Jesus is telling us here is that this gospel message should and will go forth. Matthew 24, 14. Stay with me. Ready? This gospel message of the kingdom, circle this next word in your Bible at some point later, what? Will be proclaimed. God will make sure of it as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. God will get it out, and it's our job to get it out. Mark 16, 15, he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. The question is, are you hiding it? Has God lit this flame of salvation in your heart and you are putting it out with a jar or a basket or a bed? Are you sharing the gospel? Are you getting the gospel out to the people around you. He's telling his disciples that's what we will do, no matter the responses. But secondly, number two in our passage, and these are quicker. Number two, what we see is that the gospel then, once it goes out, will reveal the true condition of the heart. This gospel will go out. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bed. No one lights a lamp and, and hides it. There will be different responses, but we will be sowers. We will be lamp lighters. We will be the ones carrying the lamp, shining it bright. People will see it. And Esther, you guys remember the book of Esther when Mordecai, her cousin, tells her to go and, and to do the, the job that she's assigned for by telling um, of Haman's plan. And he says to her, listen, if you don't do it, God will raise somebody else up to do it, Right? Well, listen, that truth is the same for us as Christians. If you don't live on faith, share your faith, share the gospel with the people around you, God will just use somebody else. It's not like he's without resources. But I want to be part of his plan. No one lights a lamp and just puts it out. But as this gospel goes out, number two, it will reveal the true spiritual condition of the heart. And this is where it ties with the previous parable. Here's what he says in verse 17. For nothing, what's that word in the beginning? For connects us. A light's going out. It's put up on a stand. Why? Well, it's going to expose something. 
Even though we can't see the soil underneath at first glance, even though the sower's got no idea that the rock is there, even though the sower's got no idea the thorns are there, right? This gospel, as it goes out, will expose what's underneath and whether or not this plant grows or doesn't. Verse 17, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, seen. That's what manifest means, visible. You can see it with your eyes. Nor is anything secret that will not be made known and come to light, right? This ties us back to the parable of the sower, and what he's saying is as the seed goes out, as this lamp goes out, as this light goes out, as these mysteries, not like goes out, like, you know what I mean, as it goes forth, as, as the seed, the gospel, the mysteries, the word of God go forth, it will bring to light what's underneath the surface, the soil, the hearts, the rock, the thorns. It will be revealed. For by the revealing of the mystery of God and his word, it will reveal the true condition of one's salvation. It's polarizing. It will only do one of two things. It will show us that salvation exists or that it doesn't. That's the only point we're establishing here. Hidden, made manifest through the mysteries of God's word being exposed. As it's revealed, proclaimed, gone out, gone forth, secrets will come to light, which is the state of one's salvation, right? That's the truth, okay? And so listen, let me just tell you this. If believers do not hide the light, the message, the word, the seed, the mysteries, the secrets of God's word, the believer who is the one who has received it in the good soil, which we've seen in verses eight and verse 15, right? This one will grow and this one will be changed, right? But the one who hears it and it goes out to them, the one who does not know and has the rock underneath and has the thorns, this person it will be exposed that there is no root of the gospel in their heart. The gospel is proclaimed and the heart is exposed. You only have two options when you hear the gospel. It's either to respond in faith or to not. Now, there's a little bit more to this that we're going to get to, but it's going to come to light. Listen, the gospel, God's holiness, our sin, the punishment for sin, repentance and faith, Christ Jesus and what he's done, and our eternal salvation revealed, the condition of the heart revealed through God's word being proclaimed. Let me just show you, ready? Stay with me, okay? Verse five, right? Going back to our last week's parable. Look at it, verse five. We see the soil one, and there's a path, and the seed is scattered, and it is revealed that there is no plant after the seed is scattered, that it has not penetrated. Verse six, as we talk about the rocky ground, the seed goes in, it springs up immediately, but... As it continues, what is revealed? That there is no root or salvation. Verse seven, same thing. The thorns come. The true condition of the soil is revealed. Verse eight, the same thing, right? The gospel goes in and what's revealed? That there is true salvation. The roots have taken place. This is it. This is as simple as it can be, okay? Now, what I want you to understand is that there's an element here, biblically, that holds us accountable when we hear the word. Because all of this exposes when one thing happens, okay? There's so much packed into this, so I'm, I'm, we're trying, ready? All of this happens when one thing is true, and that's you hearing the gospel message. When you hear the gospel, you are then held accountable to it and how you respond, which a lot of people in our culture have heard, so many will be accountable to it. And I don't say this because I want to condemn you. I say this because I love you, and I want you to know that you got to make a choice with this gospel message, right? That's what I want to expose to you. One thing happens, and then your heart is exposed and you're held accountable, right? And that thing is hearing. Hearing, listening, the way you receive whether you obey, how you respond to the gospel, 
all comes into play once you hear the message. Then it will expose the condition of the heart. How do I know this? Let's look real quick. Come on, you ready? Slowing me down. Just kidding. I'm trying to take you through it. Okay, here we go. Ready? Verse nine, starting in the explanation of the parable. Let's just start with the first, the first soil. Ready? Verse 12. After the word is sown, verse 12, ready? The ones along the path are those who have, call it out, ready? Who have what? Heard. Okay. What about the next one? Verse 13. The ones on the rock are those who, when they... Okay. Now, verse 14. As for those who fell along the, among the thorns, they are those who... Hear. Verse 15. As for that in the good soil, they are those who hear. When one hears the gospel message, the seed goes in and one of two things happens, salvation or no salvation. And the gospel being heard and going into your heart will expose the true condition of your salvation or the lack thereof. That's just the truth of how this thing works. Ready? Because as we hear it, we are held accountable for it, okay? This happened in John chapter six. If you look at John chapter six up on the screens, I'm just gonna show you two parts of this. Look at this. When many of his disciples did what? Heard. So he's preaching the message on him being the bread of life, salvation, right? And what happened when they heard this? Verse 66, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Once they heard, there was a response that needed to happen. Either follow Jesus or, or don't follow Jesus. It reveals the true spiritual condition of our hearts as the gospel goes forth. So let me tell you. Okay, ready? The gospel will go out. God will make sure of it. He already has. He's made it manifest. It is our job as believers to sow the seed, light the lamp, expose the world to the truth. As it goes out, it will expose, as the seed goes in and people hear, the true condition of the heart, right? Whether or not there is salvation or there is not salvation. And what we see is that there's two elements involved in that, which is fruit and perseverance, remember? Fruit, if the gospel produces fruit in your life, we see evidences of salvation. And if you persevere to the end, right? We see evidences of salvation. But we see this truth, then it leads us to number three. Therefore, let nothing be more important than you receiving the gospel message. The gospel will go out. The gospel will reveal the condition of the heart. Therefore, let nothing be more important than you receiving this gospel. The way in which Hear me, ready? The way in which you listen, the way in which you hear, the way in which you receive, the way in which you obey, whence this gospel message, the truth of God's word and Christ and everything that comes along with Jesus Christ goes forth. The way in which you hear it and respond to it and obey it will reveal the true spiritual condition of your heart. So be careful. Take it seriously because this message will be proclaimed as it is proclaimed, it will reveal the condition of your heart. Therefore, let nothing be more important than how you respond to this. Now, not just for salvation, but for a lifetime. Because as we saw, some have responded positively immediately and therefore after have fallen away. So let's just take this and we're almost done. Ready? Verse 18, our last verse in this. Here's the main point. With all this being said, the gospel's going out. Everything will be exposed, especially what's under the soil. Verse 18, take care then how you hear, how you respond, how you receive it, what it does, whether you listen, obey, receive, follow. For, see that word again? I love that little word. <laughs> it helps us understand. To the one who has, okay, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Now, this is just wonderfully insightful, okay? Take care, then, how you hear is the main sentence, the main point of this section, right? 
Take care then, because it will be revealed. For, here's the reason why. Whether you receive this message or not, whether you understand this message or not, whether you search for the meaning of the parable or not, whether you follow, whether you obey, whether there's growth, whether it takes root, whether fruit is produced, whether there's longevity, will reveal the true condition of the ultimate issue, the only most important issue of your life, which is your salvation. Can you hear? Can you hear it? Do you understand it? Are you listening? Are you responding? Are you receiving? All of this comes from you hearing. Don't take it lightly. It will reveal the true spiritual condition of your heart. It will be the proof. If faith exists, it will be added to. Knowledge of the gospel, of God's holiness, sin, judgment, Christ, salvation, the word, it will be added to. More will be given. I mean, think about this. We're eight and a half chapters into this book. We're like, this, we got a long time to go, okay? But as we continue walking through this, you're like, man, this gospel moves into every recess of our lives, our hearts. It's the centerpiece of our faith. It, it touches every area. Jesus Christ and all he's done on the cross is central to everything that we do, right? This understanding of this gospel for you is, is coming to light. I mean, you've understand depths of this gospel message like you have never understood it before in your life. And it's not only becoming this thing you say a prayer about and then you leave it, but it's becoming integral in everything. The gospel is the centerpiece of your faith, your understanding. Those who have faith as you hear and receive and listen and respond and obey, this gospel is, is adding to your faith. It is taking deeper roots. The more fruit is produced and more grain is happening. Happening, more is falling to the ground and more multiplication is happening. This is what will happen when you listen rightly. The ones who hear, the one who, have, who has believed, you'll understand it better and more deeply to say it simply, right? But if it doesn't exist, if your faith does not exist, it says even though maybe you thought it existed, it will be exposed that it has never existed. Because here is maybe the scariest words in all the Bible. I'm being honest with you. I hope you would expect that of me. I'm a preacher, right? <laughs> From the one who has not, no true salvation, even what he, circle that word, what does that say? Think that is the scariest word in all the Bible. I say that with love. Circle that word. Even what he thinks that he has. Did soil number two think that there was salvation? Did the sower there or anyone observing? What about soil number three? This is integrally connected to what we just talked about in that, in that parable. Even what he thinks that he has will be revealed that it's not there and therefore exposed and taken away. Not that it ever existed or it was ever there, but just it was exposed that it was never there. It will be taken away. And so it will be exposed that faith never existed. So let me just t tell you that this helps us to understand that the gospel reveals whether or not faith exists for the one who it does and there's true response and salvation, the gospel will continue to produce more fruit as you continue to hear it in your life. To the one who does not and maybe thinks he has, it will just continue to expose that salvation doesn't exist. How? Well, it will call you to a higher, deeper calling of following Jesus for your life. And at some point, you'll have to decide, right? Remember? The thorns will choke because you will have to be called to continue to push them away. It will expose that there's rock underneath because Jesus and his awesomeness, without the understanding that you need him for the forgiveness of sin, will fall short when trial and tribulation come. It won't match up with the awesome, easy, wonderful life that you were promised in Jesus. It's going to just continue to expose that that faith does not Exist. It will call you to a place in which you are unwilling to go or it will grow you in ways in which you have never been grown. 
It will be added to or taken away. And I will tell you that this, this whole thing just burdens me. It burdens me because if I were to be honest, most of our culture is this last sentence. Even what he thinks he has. There, this reveals the truth that there are people. This is just what the word says that think that they have salvation and don't. Could there be anything more burdensome for you? It's one thing when someone knows that they're lost, but one who thinks that they are saved and are not. And the gospel will reveal it, but listen, it's the way in which someone hears. That's why I tell you, be careful, and the ones in which you are sharing with, beg them to be careful. Because here's how we see this. Ready? I have the gospel. I've responded. I've trusted in Christ. I've prayed a prayer of salvation. But as the truth of God's word comes, as I see his word, as I see the truth, as I understand the requirements of a follower of Jesus, which is evangelism, discipleship, taking up my cross daily and following him, right? Leaving, uh, leaving my father and mother, if it so requires it, to go make Jesus known. Uh, if it requires like the parable of the treasure in the field to sell everything because he is more valuable to have this. Like as I see those things, right, and they don't match up with my life, and I think I have salvation, I don't hear them. I don't listen to that and say, wow, that version of the biblical picture of salvation doesn't match my life. Be careful how you listen because the way in which you either receive that truth or don't reveals whether or not salvation exists. If I'm concerned about my reputation, more than Christ, if the rocky soil, like I don't have any substance to my salvation and my sin or willingness to repent, if my social media life and how awesome I look to everyone else and that I got everything together is far more important, and yet Jesus calls me to be humble, if my religion is my source of confidence, if I head to the church on the big days that everyone else is there and we take the pictures out front, right? For Easter and Christmas. So everyone knows we're there. If I post the quotes or I'm pursuing this better life or I want syncretism and nobility and acceptance and success, and yet my salvation is not based on the truth of the scriptures and what God says about salvation and what it looks like, I'm not hearing when the gospel is going forth and it's just revealing more and more that I don't know Christ because all I'm doing is trying to continue to sync what I think a Christian should be with what the Bible says it should be. Be careful how you hear because it will reveal whether or not salvation exists. And therefore, as you share your faith, be burdened. There are people who think they have salvation and they don't. And it will be revealed by the way in which they listen or hear this message. Will there be fruit? Will there be perseverance? Right? Will there be a crop produced a hundredfold? Will they multiply the talents? Right? So I ask you the question as we close. How do you hear? When you hear God's word, when you hear the message of the gospel, are you listening? Is it adding to your faith? And is it producing fruit? Be careful, because if it's not, it might be revealing that none exists. And as you share your faith with the lost world around you, pray, beg God, and tell them the truth. Listen, ready? Last thing. As you share your faith, assess, assess the salvation of the people you care about based on the biblical truth that it will be revealed through the hearing of the gospel message. Don't just assess it based upon what the culture tells us. They're good because they prayed a prayer 10 years ago. Nowhere in scripture do we see that picture. It's always right in the moment how they are responding to the truth. That determines and shows and exposes the heart. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and, uh, and ask you to just take this truth, these truths, and just teach us them. I know that they're heavy and and God, that, but we should be burdened by them because they're the truth. 
God, I, I pray that you would show us today that your gospel will go forth. Even though the responses will be different, you have made your gospel manifest, bringing it to light. And now we as your sowers go out and scatter the seed. Help us to understand that as this gospel goes forth, it truly will reveal the condition underneath the surface. What is hidden will be exposed. And whether salvation exists or not will be seen. And yet, God, you call us to be people who share it. And therefore, let us be people who are careful in the way that we hear the gospel, that we listen and that we respond. And let us be burdened for the people that we share with. That there are people around us in our lives that think they have salvation, as you've just plainly told us, and don't. And as the gospel message goes forth, as your word goes into their hearts, it will just expose that it was never there. Help us to assess the culture like that and help us to be burdened to share the truth with a world that needs true salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this resource from the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. We pray that it helps you joyfully make Jesus Christ your treasure.